Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. You guys are not doing any pass blocking. You're just stepping aside and letting them walk in. Pop, 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 pop. That's what I want. All of you around that ball. What's wrong with y'all? Don't play like some little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. Because of nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. No, they sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. No, I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then let's play. But that's eating us too. That gives us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. In 806-855-3712. Lots of stuff happening around the Texas Tech athletic landscape. Not much NFL news. I guess Major League Baseball news starting to become more and more prevalent with some spring training storylines and team photos coming out. Texas Rangers Instagram today putting out Josh Young pictures with the caption Young and Hungry. Very excited for some Texas Rangers basketball. Uh, Texas Tech golf in action. It looks like they're going to finish in third place. Barring a, a miraculous run from, let's say, San Francisco. Everybody in the clubhouse. It looks like Pepperdine will take the prestige tournament there at the Greg Norman course at PGA West. Texas Tech finishing up at minus six. They were minus two today as a team in the two-round tournament. Stanford. Minus 10, Pepperdine minus 14, Baylor and TCU both also in the top 10 of this field. Uh, TCU plus 3, plus 8 today. They blew up a little bit. Baylor played even. There were some interesting Uh, rounds for individuals is two Tyron Snyder's uh, looks like he's going to finish in third place minus five and then maybe a third round getting off today I this leaderboard is strange it says they played this morning but there's only two rounds on this on the scorecard so um Lots of Texas Tech basketball also to cover. Uh, the Red Raiders beating Oklahoma last night uh, played out nearly exactly as I thought it would. If both teams played a bad game, Texas Tech would win by about 10. Um, if both teams played at high levels, Texas Tech would win. 
Um, I thought that Texas Tech would win. The only way they wouldn't win is if they played really bad or had a really bad half. They had a half-bad half in the first half because they had a bunch of turnovers, but they shot really well. And so it was kind of a, an average half going really good on one hand and really bad on one hand, and you kind of even out for the half. You took a lead in the halftime, and I think that gives you some confidence. And something that Texas Tech has not done this year is win ugly. Uh, in the past, you've gotten a lot of those wins, or at least some of those wins, to either even up a conference record or push a conference record into the plus territory. At this point, you're just looking for any win. In, a, in an ugly win in Norman, a road Big 12 win, we do not apologize for road Big 12 wins. And even though you had 13 turnovers in the first half, um, I wouldn't really say that there was much negative to take away from yesterday that looks like it's going to be a negative for the rest of the year. In fact, Jalen Tyson continuing his strong play and Fardaz Amak having his best game as a Red Raider ever so far were two extreme highlights. Uh, Kevin O'Banner having a couple of huge shots, even though they were double and triple teaming him, it seemed like, the entire first half and most of the game. To look incredibly flat in the first half because of the Lloyd Noble Center and its vacuum of human emotion just zaps and sucks the life out of you there in Lloyd Noble in Norman, Oklahoma. But to overcome that and to win that game, how you want it, and the style in which you want it, and to do it now four times in a row, beating a couple of top 15 teams, a team firmly in the bubble at the time when you beat them, and now Oklahoma, who you absolutely should beat, And all of a sudden, the pipe dreams we had two weeks ago after the first win are more like realistic dreams. And I think there are realistic conversations to have about Texas Tech being an NCAA tournament team. And through the first half of Big 12 play, we sat there and said, you know, this team looks talented. You know, if you take away this blowout that you just didn't show up for and you take away this possession that kind of made this game fall apart and you finish that game or that game and you're 500 in Big 12 play and you look really good. But the problem with doing that at 0-9 in conference play is that it just feels so empty. And I'm not going to say that Texas Tech didn't have any business or didn't deserve to win last night because Oklahoma didn't play really well. I thought you earned it. And you played pretty damn well in the second half with three turnovers and really cleaned up a lot and just imposed your will on them. But to win ugly and to... To finally do some things that you just didn't look like you were capable of 
early in Big 12 play or even late non-conference is a really good sign. And I think for as much flack as Mark Adams deservedly got at 0-9, I think the run they've had to finish this year, especially if you win two of the next three or three of the next three or even if you win one of the next three and you get to six Big 12 wins after being so bad to start the season, the Big 12 season, I think you have to give Mark Adams some flowers there. And at some point, the team just started executing better. But there was also, you know, an influx of minutes for Lamar Washington due to injury. I think there was an influx of minutes for Elijah Fisher because you needed that defensive length. K.J. Allen in spots has had increased minutes to rest or alleviate some other issues. And you've done this around multiple injuries for Pop Isaacs and Fardoz Amak and Daniel Bacha, who at different times this year, Fardoz Amak for the first time last night, looking like your best player. There have been games, Daniel Bacha looked like your best player. There were games where Pop Isaacs looked like your best player. And all three of those have missed time. Daniel Bacho down for the last couple of weeks here, at least the last week, week and a half. And this team, through the injuries, through the drama, through the rumors, through the issues, have continued to win. Now, this is not a sustainable program model to have this much drama. At some point, that breaks. At some point, the reality show that this season has been behind the scenes is not sustainable. But for this season, especially if they stay hot, especially if they finish strong, especially if they make a tournament appearance and win a game or two, All of a sudden, this season doesn't seem so dramatic. All of a sudden, this season doesn't seem so just cursed, which it did for a while. And I still contend that if Mark Adams is having to replace eight guys off of this roster next year, there's something still wrong with the program. You shouldn't have to replace 10 of 13 guys every single season. Now, if you have to replace 3, 4, 5, all right, but at some point there's a line, and maybe the line is 6, 7, or 8, and certainly if it's, you know, 3 of the 5 freshmen. But if there's a mass exodus, even if you make the tournament this year, I still think there are some problems on the roster. Now, inside the program, maybe everything cleared up. And there's an understanding with the players and Mark Adams that has happened, and that's why they're on the winning streak. 
and they've all committed to come back. And if that's the case, Texas Tech and Mark Adams will be really good next year in basketball. Especially if you can have a lot of returners. With a couple of pieces that you're bringing in. And a couple of transfers that you'll need to replace some of the seniors if you want to stay older. Especially if you get David Harmon to come back for a fifth season or whatever it is. But to the people who are just out there saying, you know, oh, you wanted to fire Mark Adams. Look at him now. Yeah, it's going to take a heroic effort to finish 7 and 10. 7 and 11. Heroic. It's going to take a six-game winning streak to finish 8 and 10. And you're going to have to beat Kansas and Lawrence. It's going to be a historic run to finish four games under 500. And two weeks ago, we were hearing that eight guys were going to transfer out of the program. So let's pause on all of that. Again, I, I, I never contended that Mark Adams was going to be fired. I certainly heard those rumors, and they were certainly said on this radio station by texters or otherwise. But I still think there are a ton of moving pieces here. And I'm trying to give a ton of credit to Mark Adams for figuring something out within his coaching staff, within his program, within his roster, that has improved this team, while still seeing that there was a massive improvement needed 20 games into a season. And there seems to be legitimate cracks inside the program that you just do not want to see long-term and that are not sustainable year over year. It's not sustainable to start 0-9 in conference play. It's not sustainable to have to replace seven or more players on a 13-man roster every single year. just isn't. All right. Let's take the break here. When we come back, Bandwagon Wednesday on the text line, 806-855-3712. It's the Rob Rose Show. We'll be back after this on Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back. It's Rob Rose Show Talk 103.9 News. Money Sports. Uh, this off the text line, Brock Purdy has postponed his surgery. That's pretty major. I guess. Lots of uh, things to iron out there in San Fran at the quarterback position. Are you going with Trey Lance? Are you trying to roll the dice with a Loose elbow, Brock Purdy. You going to bring in Derek Carr or something? Uh, this off the text line, the offense has changed in the last four games. It seems the players are not being held back and having to run to the top of the key, handoff and dribble. We are now letting the guys attack the basket on that point. 
they still do that. They still run that. But the players are being more aggressive. They still do the the handoff thing. It's just there's one handoff and then you're attacking the basket. They they always could have done that. I don't think I don't think the it's the play is not hey hand it off 17 times and then try to get into the offense. The the reason for the handoff is to try to find a lane and for whatever reason through the first half of Big 12 play they just weren't aggressive. And at some point a flip switched. A switch flipped. And the team got aggressive offensively. And I really don't... I couldn't pinpoint when it happened. But if I had to, it was the game where Davian Harmon just absolutely took... You know what? I can't I can pinpoint it. When Lamar Washington and Elijah Fisher and uh, Jalen Tyson... Defensively, and I know this is an offensive switch, but stay with me. Defensively dominated the point guard and 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 backcourt of the Iowa State Cyclones in Lubbock, and en route to a twenty three point comeback. When those guys kind of finally started being aggressive on defense, jumped some passing lanes. And that turned into some aggression on offense. Now, it wasn't consistent from that point because you still went to Baylor and got hammered, but I don't know if it's just the confidence that they finally got some confidence and that's why they're more aggressive on offense or there's been some coaching points. But again, this team has had the talent. And I don't know that the offense has changed structure as much as it's just changed mentality. This team has a different mentality. And maybe it is just attributed to confidence. Maybe they are just more confident after they won a couple. And maybe if they had beaten Oklahoma and Lubbock early in the season, they would have two or three more wins now because of that confidence. Maybe if they held on in Fort Worth, they would have gained some confidence Maybe if they had won in in Lubbock against Kansas, they would have gained that confidence earlier, but they didn't. And they were timid. I mean, I don't think in film recaps the day after a game where they're doing that high-key, three-man weave, handoff thing for seven times and then dribbling out the shot clock that the offensive coaches at that point in the season were saying, this is great execution, guys. It's exactly what we need. And it's so hard in basketball, especially in basketball, especially with a system like Texas Tech runs with fewer sets and more reactions, especially when you're creating offense off defense, but this team just was not executing. And and certainly that's on the coaching staff. And certainly we had our issues with the half-court sets and 
the timidness of the offense, but at, at some point they got back to being aggressive. This team was very aggressive last year. It was the toughest team in the Big 12 last year. And maybe it was just age. Maybe it was the inexperience where you just don't know how to be tough in the Big 12. But at some point, at some point, they turned the aggressive factor up. And maybe they did just get mad at the Texas Tech fan base for trying to fire everybody in midseason. And they say, you know what? You think that will prove you wrong. And, hey, if that if that's what it was, kudos to the Tech fans for being aggressive on Twitter because maybe that spurned this run. I don't know. But something has happened in that locker room and something has happened on the floor, obviously. But again, yes, the offense has changed in the last four games. It's just gotten better. But is that... They're not calling different plays. I don't think. And maybe the scouting has gotten better and they have reassessed what they're doing and their plan before the game and they've gotten you know better breakouts but to me it just comes down to looking for shots earlier and finding lanes and driving aggressively to the basket and scoring in the paint which they were not doing early in Big 12 play. They were settling because, to your point, they were just dribbling outside the three-point line, and there's been less of that. But again, I don't think they were being coached to do that as much as they just were doing it because I don't know why. And I couldn't explain it then, and I can't explain it now, but I'm glad that the team figured out some aggressiveness because for a long time in the Big 12 there's been a lot of evenly talented teams and the tougher team wins. And Texas Tech has been the tougher team very few times um, until recently. And I think you can be tougher than TCU this weekend, uh, but it's going to take an effort. Let's take another break here. When we come back, more Rob Bro Show, more bandwagons, more text line. You can get on that text line, 806-855-3712. Also, more wind. Back after this, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Show Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports. Some action today, tonight. If you're trying to keep up with Texas Tech basketball in the net, in the tournament landscape, if you're trying to look outside of the Big 12 for a couple of games, uh, I've got a few for you. Um, let's see. 
North Carolina right above you in the net. They play Notre Dame tonight. Big Notre Dame fans should a Texas Tech Red Raider be. Uh, let's see. Liberty University right in front of you in the net. Uh, Queens University, they play Queens University tonight. And then New Mexico right in front of you in the net. Uh, and they play Boise State tonight. Chibuzo Agbo, uh, one of the leading scorers, if not the leading scorer for uh, Boise State. Looking at uh, the net, looking at the the hoops HD, the nitty gritty, um, there are some options here for Texas Tech, and we talked about it to open the show, for Texas Tech to be legitimately on the bubble after this week. And I, I get it, you know, this this is going to be an up and down situation. But even after tonight, even not playing a game, you could be in a much better position than you are today. Uh, And I've got a couple of those games, bubble games to look at still. But after this Big 12 weekend, it's going to be fairly clear whether Kansas is going to win the Big 12 solo or with Baylor or Texas. It's going to be very clear. Uh, Baylor has some work to do now to get back in a great position uh, after losing to Kansas State last night. But let's look at the bubble around the country real quick. I already mentioned New Mexico at Boise State. Um, Both teams on the bubble. Both teams trying to win this one. But I think for Texas Tech's needs... I would say this is a great opportunity for Boise State to help the Red Raiders. Uh, Down the stretch, Boise State has been much better than New Mexico recently. Uh, But both teams in the option. I think Boise State could knock New Mexico back, though, pretty good if they win tonight. Uh, In the Big Ten, Iowa at Wisconsin is a bubble game. Um, Wisconsin... Uh, needs some wins to get back in the bubble. If Iowa could just put Wisconsin out of their misery, that would be good for Texas Tech. Uh, Notre Dame beating North Carolina would be amazing. Anytime North Carolina loses. Uh, now, you don't want to be in the bubble against North Carolina because as much respect as I think Texas Tech gets for recency um, and just kind of being that team to make and, and be successful in the tournament, they do not get any kind of credence over North Carolina. If there was a bubble watch and it was North Carolina or Texas Tech, North Carolina is getting in the tournament. So if you could just knock them out of the bubble, uh, and and if Notre Dame could kind of put them away, uh, that would be awesome. Another one, Wake Forest at NC State. NC State inside the bubble for now, but right in front of you in the net A couple of ACC games there, so go Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest needing a win. Mm, Both these teams need a win tonight, but NC State closer to the tournament than not. Uh, Wake Forest further away than not. And then Providence at UConn. Uh, This is a ranked matchup, but in the Big East, just because you're ranked doesn't mean you're going to get in the tournament. Um 
And I would say if UConn could just go ahead and take care of this one, uh, that would be another opportunity for Texas Tech to create, or for, at least for the Big 12, to create a, an 8-bid eight, an eight league. Whether that's Texas Tech or West Virginia uh, or Oklahoma State up there in the 8 range. And then one of those three falling back in the next week with Oklahoma to not be in the tournament. I would assume West Virginia. And if West Virginia doesn't make the tournament after their start, after their non-con, I don't think Huggy Bear is back next year. I don't I it would be a year too late if they kept him around. And I don't know if that means, you know, I don't know that we talked about it on air, but I don't know if that means Chris Beard will be in West Virginia this offseason, but that's certainly one of the conversations that's been around. Um, allegedly, there's some some smoke that Ole Miss fans really want Chris Beard. Uh, there are some other open jobs. I kind of thought he would be right off the Power Six level, like a, I don't know, like a St. John's or something, um, which would be a really good fit for him. I guess I don't know. I do think that Chris Beard coaches again next year, though. I don't think there's any kind of break that's going to happen. Should, shouldn't. I, I'm not discussing that. I just, I think he will be. Uh, some other games tonight. This is a huge day for college basketball. And kind of as a Big 12 fan, you just get to sit back and watch. Uh, Virginia at Boston College. Syracuse at Clemson. Uh, Clemson trying to get back in the bubble range. Uh, Minnesota at Maryland. Vanderbilt LSU. By the way. Maryland not in ACC basketball. Such a travesty to me. And I guess just because I was a Duke fan when I was a kid and you had so many moments between Maryland and Duke and North Carolina and the ACC was so good. I really feel like Maryland took a big step back to go to the Big Ten instead of staying in the ACC. I thought that was a travesty. Uh, Kentucky, Florida, Tulane, Houston. Houston... Needs to win out to be a one seed. They don't have a very good conference. But they'll absolutely be a one seed if they win out. Absolutely. 100%. Alabama, South Carolina. Alabama, interesting. Interesting. Obviously, we talked about Alabama yesterday. Uh, Nate Oates. Uh, sticking his foot in his mouth, I thought, a couple of times after with some press conferences. Uh, interesting situations. A lot of times when there's a lot of distraction or drama outside of a program, they do one of two things. They either hold together and, and have a big game or let it uh, affect them. Just for funnies, let me go look up the line for Alabama. Not saying that I'm going to say this is a lock to bet against the drama of Alabama's week. Number two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the lock of the century. Alabama minus 17. South Carolina plus 17 tonight in South Carolina. ESPN 2. 8 p.m. tip-off central. Give me that. Give me that. 100% South Carolina covers plus 17 
if that even goes further, uh, I would enjoy it even more if I could get a hook or something. Um, after the week they've had, I just do not see Alabama coming out and shutting out the noise. And Alabama is kind of a team that's been susceptible. Uh, they just lost to TCU by 10. Hammered Georgia in their last outing, 108-59. to But, yeah, this is not a smart play, but I think Alabama is kind of one of those teams that either blows you out or struggles. And I would bet on a struggle tonight after the week they've had. All right, let's take the final break of the hour. When we come back, let's look through some more college basketball news and notes. It's Rob Rocho, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Red Eye Radio, overnights from midnight to 5 on Talk 103.9, 1340 a.m., and the Talk 1340 app. Welcome back. The final segment here on the Rob Bro Show with Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. If you want to text in, you can, 806-855-3712. A couple of texts here to get to. Uh, after this week, we should be a good selection for the NIT. Better odds on that than the NCAA tournament. Uh, absolute lock for the NIT. Um, and, of, I mean, yeah. It Better odds how? And just because it's like, do you want to lose just to go to the NIT? I'd rather be a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament than a one seed in the NIT. I mean, I the NIT to me is like a non-starter. If they go, I'll watch, but that shouldn't be a goal. Even at 5 and 10 or whatever you are, it shouldn't be a goal to be in the NIT. I mean, at 1-17, and 17, it shouldn't be a goal to try to work your way back to the NIT. Uh, you're, uh, the goal is always the NCAA tournament. Always. Who is a worse representative for a university, Nate Oates or Chris Beard? Nate Oates. For the university? Nate Oates. Who's a worse representative uh, for themselves as a human being? Probably Chris Beard. But as far as a representative for the university, Nate Oates has bungled, bungled this Alabama usage here. I mean, to basically come out and say, yeah, I knew the story a week ago. No, no issues here. Nobody look. Everything's fine. Yes, my best player took his friend, his gun, and that friend handed it to his friend, 
and his friend murdered somebody. And my best player was there, but you know, college kids are college kids. And uh, yes, he was, he was there with his car parked sideways. So the other car couldn't leave. So his buddy could shoot into the window, murdering a woman in cold blood. But college kids are college kids and we can't control what they do outside of practice. So I'm just going to reach out to Ray Lewis to see if he can give some comfort to my player who has witnessed a murder but was in no way involved, just like Ray Lewis was not involved in the murder he witnessed. Uh, absolutely did not tell those guys to fire at will and was not in a fur coat ordering hits in the middle of a strip club, just trying to give some guidance to my young player who took a loaded gun to his friend at 1.30 a.m. and again, might have strategically blocked in the other car so that they could get their shots off. But he's scoring 18 a game and he's never been in trouble before. Yeah, NATO's right now a worse representative for the university. Again, personal life may be a different story. Chris Beard has not represented himself well in the last year. And even with the Arterio Morris stuff, that was such a, an off-season thing. This is middle of the year. And they probably, I think they quote-unquote suspend they handled Arterio Morris in the offseason. I'm not saying that was right or proper that he should be playing, but yeah, for the University Nate Oates is a terrible representative right now. And I'm generally not uh, you have to suspend that guy, but you have to suspend that guy. Have to. And I'm not talking about Nate Oates, but he should probably save, uh, face some sanctions too. We talk about it all the time. There's a code of conduct in the, the state, right? You have the federal laws, you have state laws. And the DA of Tuscaloosa said that he, do, he did not break any state laws. He didn't. It didn't warrant him to uh, face any charges. The basketball player. But while that investigation is going on, the kid just continued to play because you needed to hold on to your number one seed. If Alabama wasn't good, would they have? sat him for a week or two just for the investigation to play out? And I guess Nate Oates went through the proper channels with this and uh, talked to the AD and said, hey, these two guys on my team were also at the scene of the murder. And the AD probably said, did they charge him? No. All right, you can play him. But there was no mention of that until... It blows up yesterday in court. 
fairly wild to me. Uh, let's see. This uh, question off the text line, who's the most hateable player in the uh, college basketball Big 12 world? Uh, I I would say, you know, Brock Cunningham. But this Eric Stevenson character is really making a name for himself. Even Bob Huggins. Somebody asked, I don't know if this was a real quote. It could have been a troll job. But I think somebody asked, <laughs> I saw on Twitter, let's just clarify. I saw on Twitter a Bob Huggins quote that said, uh, they asked about his team looking at bracketology every day. And he said, basically, whatever gets Eric Stevens away from me and busy. (laughs) I don't want to deal with that guy. (laughs) All right. That was the show. We had one. We had a show. Now go brave the wind. Try to make it home. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. with hopefully less dirt in the air so I can breathe and Ryan Hyatt can breathe. We'll try to do it again at 11 a.m. tomorrow if we make it. This was the Rob Bro Show tomorrow at 11 a.m. again, the Raiderland. I've been Rob Bro. I'll be Rob Bro. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.